So Jesus once asked his disciples, he asked them, hey, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And his disciples responded and, and, and gave the responses. And then Jesus said, okay, guys, you've been hanging out with me for quite a while. Who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? And then Peter rightly responded, right? He said, hey, you're, G, you're the Christ. You're the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But we're not talking in this series about what people thought of Jesus or what people on the street think of Jesus today. We're not even talking about what the disciples thought of Jesus. In this series specifically, we're looking at what Jesus said about himself. Who did Jesus say that he was? Now, you and I, of course, we know he's our Savior, right? He saved us. You believe in him. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. You have etern- you, you're saved for eternity. But what does that mean? What does that look like for you and me in our lives? How does that play out? And that's what we're talking about in this series, what, who Jesus says that he is, how that impacts us. Today, we're looking at one of the most important statements that Jesus made about himself. I'd like you to turn into your Bibles, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. You could turn in a Bible. You can also go to the YouVersion Bible app. John chapter 15, and I'm, I'm going to want you to say a couple words with me out loud. John chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 5, and Jesus said this. He said, I am the what? I am the vine, and you are the branches. Good. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that statement is a pretty dramatic statement, even just taken by itself. But when you understand its original context, it actually takes on a whole other level of significance for us. One of the more powerful statements Jesus ever made in all of the Bible. And let me give you the context. So it really starts back in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, we have what's called the Last Supper. Why is it the last, called the Last Supper? Well, it's the last supper, the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples before he was going to go uh, to the garden and then get arrested and then go and be crucified. So we, in John 13, we have the, the Last Supper. In John 18, we have Jesus getting arrested in the garden and then off to being you know, uh, sentenced and tortured and crucified. So between John 13 and John 18, You have what is essentially Jesus' dinner conversation with his disciples. You got the image here? Those chapters are essentially his dinner conversation with them. Now, here's what I want you to think about for a moment. This is Jesus' last meal with his disciples. Imagine if you knew you were going to die. Like you knew, not like, hey, of course we all die one day, but like you actually knew. It was like, I'm, I'm going to die, I'm going to die in a couple days. If you knew you were going to die, and you brought together your friends and your family for the last meal together, would that meal be important? What's the answer? Absolutely. You better believe, very important meal that you're going to have. You, uh, knowing it's going to be your last day with your friends and family, you're going to be thinking about what you would say, right? You're going to be thinking about what you would want them to know, like like how you feel about them. I'm sure you're going to want to share some feelings with them about how you feel about them. And one of the other things is you're going to be thinking about what are my final words I want to leave with them? What are some like important, some life lessons that I I never want you to forget? I always want you to remember. That's the context in which Jesus says these words. These are the, you know, the words of a dying man. And so this is important what he is saying. And one of the big questions for us this morning is, 
Why is being connected to Jesus so important? Remember he said, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, if you stay connected to me, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you will do nothing. Why is it so important? He said it. Because if you stay connected to me, you're going to bear much fruit. Now, Jesus said this about himself back in John chapter 15, verse 1. He said, I am the true vine. So if he said, I am the true vine, what does that mean? If I am the true vine, that means there must be what type of vines out there? Untrue vines, right? Fake vines, false vines, right? There must be some type of false vine that we can connect ourselves to. And when we connect ourselves to a wrong vine, a false vine, a bad vine, it's going to produce false fruit or bad fruit or wrong fruit or awful fruit. False vines can represent pretty much anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of the truth of our Lord and Savior. It it can include false teachings. It could include false thinking about, about life and perspective and God. It can include false religions and cults and false prophets and many other vines. It could be false thinking uh, that we can connect ourselves to, false thinking that says, you know what, if I, if I can just make more money this next year and if I can climb the ladder in my company, that's good fruit. And Jesus would say, no, 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 you missed it. Oh, okay, well, well, if I just wear the right things, if I just have the right technology, you know, I, I got to have an iPhone 10, right? I can't have that old school iPhone 7 or 6 or, you know, I'm not going to have you raise your hand if you're still using a 3 or a 4. But, you know, you know you're like, that's good fruit. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. What about, well, if I could just have a certain social status. If I can just be liked or I have this status in life, you know, that's good fruit. And Jesus would say, not so much. That's false thinking. That's being connected to a false vine, the the ways of the world, and that produces a false fruit. Why is it so important to be connected to the vine, the true vine, Jesus? He says, because you're going to bear much fruit, and you're going to bear genuine fruit. Again, the verse, and and I hope it's a verse that you get into your head today because I'm going to share it over and over. I hope it's a verse that God just brings back to you all week long. In fact, I would suggest to you that this would be one of the verses that you actually have memorized. If you think about all the verses in the Bible and you had to have maybe a top five, a top ten, I would include this. It's in one of my top ten verses to know, to have memorized. And I'm hoping God just imprints this on your life. And he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So he says you're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear much fruit. You're going to bear genuine fruit. That's the kind of fruit we're talking about, good fruit, much good fruit. Well, what is that? What is that fruit? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 talk about it. And the Bible says this in that verse, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, question, is fruit of the Spirit good fruit? Yes, right? It's genuine fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is, so is love and joy and peace and patience. And as these words are coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking to myself, "Well, well, that's what I want in my life, and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's the kind of good fruit that Jesus says you and I are actually going to have in our lives if we stay connected to him, or as another translation says, if we abide in him, or as as our translation says, if we remain in him. And here's what I know. 
I know that when I'm connected to Jesus and I have the fruit of the Spirit of love in my life, my life is better. And I have self-control in my life because I know the opposite is true, right? When there isn't self-control in my life, when there isn't self-control in your life, don't bad things happen? When there isn't patience in your life, doesn't bad things happen with your spouse, with your kids, right? A kindness. God is saying, you want to have the, this fruit, good fruit, genuine fruit, you stay connected to Jesus. You stay connected to Jesus. In fact, Jesus is basically telling us, if you're looking at the fruit forecast, you know, he's saying there's a 100% chance of fruit in this deal. He didn't say that you might bear fruit. He says you will bear fruit and much fruit. But here's the kicker. You have to remain. You have to abide. We have to stay connected. And I just wonder, if one of the reasons that maybe we aren't experiencing the fruit of the Spirit like we would expect, like we would hope, or maybe we're not experiencing more victory in our lives over issues or over challenges or over sin, I wonder if the reality is, is we, we aren't truly connected to the vine. We aren't truly abiding in Christ. We aren't remaining in Him. Because in one sense, and I want you to really think about this, we don't actually have to do anything. We just have to stay connected to the vine and the fruit happens. The fruit happens. And Jesus says, my father, John chapter 15, verse 2, he's the vine dresser. And he'll prune you. He'll make sure you're fruitful. That's what Jesus said. If you abide in me. Jesus is like, that's all I'm asking. And yet, come on, let's be real. Don't we overcomplicate this? Don't we, uh, you know, complicate it in our lives, say we've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to pull up our bootstraps, you know, and be a good, solid Christian. Jesus is like, listen, you're simply a branch. And you just need to abide in me. And if you do that, you're going to bear much fruit. And it's fruit that's going to last. And Jesus is like, that's a promise to you. And yes, Satan's going to come along and he's going to try to distract us. He's going to try to, because he knows if we stay connected to Jesus, good things are going to happen in our life. There's going to be good fruit. And he doesn't want that, so he's going to distract us. And he wants to keep us separated from the vine. So first, staying connected, connected to Jesus, remaining in Jesus, abiding in Jesus, will produce in you and I good fruit, genuine fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Secondly, the, the inverse of this would also be true, which is that being disconnected from Jesus, the true vine, means that we will produce nothing. Look at this verse, John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus goes on. These are kind of, you know, his last words to his disciples. He says this, apart from me, you can do, what's the word? Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to imagine a branch that's there and it's unattached to the vine and yet it's trying to produce fruit on its own. I mean, this is actually a ridiculous statement that Jesus is saying here. And maybe there are some vines, uh, uh, some branches sitting in the room where he was with his disciples, and he's like, let's look at that branch. Look at it sitting there by itself. It can sit there all day long by itself, and it will not produce any fruit. I can guarantee it. Nothing's coming from that. It will not bear fruit. It's ridiculous what Jesus is saying because he's wanting them to understand. 
that when you're not connected to him, the vine, you can go through the religious motions. Absolutely. We can be extrinsic, we can extrinsically and externally, we can put on a show, but internally, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, our relationship with God will be far from him and there will be little to any genuine fruit. Let me say it another way. If we live our lives operating independently of Jesus Christ, we can look pretty good. We can appear to be self-sufficient and we can be self-sufficient. We can look like and appear like we're successful. And we might even get what appears to be good fruit. But it's not the fruit that God is looking for. Are you trying to do it on your own? Are you trying to produce fruit on your own in your own strength rather than depending on God? The reality is this, is we are completely incapable of pleasing God until we're utterly dependent on Jesus Christ. When we're disconnected from the vine, just to give you one practical reality that happens with us, when we're not connected to the vine and we're going, maybe even going through religious motions, practical reality, what happens is we don't have the ability to rightly assess ourselves. We don't have the ability to judge our lives in the right way. What do I mean by that? You ever looked at somebody and thought, oh, I'd never do that. How could they end up doing that? Oh, I'd never have an affair. How could they have an affair? I'd never do that. And boom, it happens. You know what? Uh, You look at those kids, you say, man, those kids are terrible. My kids would never be like that. And all of a sudden, yours are the kids that everybody's talking about. And you're like, what happened? Well, I'm never going to put my job before my family. I can't believe so-and-so would do that. And the next thing you know, you've missed so many ball games, you can't remember the name of the team that your kid plays for. You're like, man, what's going on? How did I get here? When we're disconnected from the vine, there's this false sense of, of judgment of ourselves and assessing ourselves, we think we can handle it. We think we're all good. We think, oh, I'll be able to make it. I'll be able to do that, but I won't do that. I won't do that. I won't do that. Listen, I've been in ministry for about 25 years, and I can tell you one of the things that I've learned probably more than just about anything else is that anybody is capable of doing anything if they're disconnected from the vine. Anybody is capable of doing anything if they are not connected to the true vine, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Another translation says, Beware lest you fall. How does falling happen? It happens very simply when we're disconnected from the vine, when we're not abiding in Jesus, when we're not remaining in Jesus. Not only that, but Jesus goes on in in verse 6 of John 15. Notice what he says. He says, hey, listen, if you do not remain in me, then apart from me you can do nothing. He says, if you do not remain in me, then you're like a branch that is thrown away and it withers and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. In other words, God takes this seriously. His great desire for us is that we remain in Jesus, stay connected to Jesus, abide in Jesus. So the question for you and I for the remainder of the morning is how? 
How do you and I stay connected to the vine? How do we remain? How do we abide? Well, there's lots of ways I would imagine that you and I can stay connected. You know, it it would be natural for a preacher to stand up here and say, well, you know, you you need to be in God's Word, and you need to daily be reading God's Word, and that'll help you stay connected, right? And you'd say, of course, absolutely, it's critical, it's crucial. Of course it is. We would say, well, you want to pray, right? You want to spend time talking to your Heavenly Father who loves you so much, and that's one of the ways you stay connected and you abide in Him because, you know, if you have a relationship with someone, you're going to talk to that someone, and so we would say that that's important. Of course it is. We would, say, we would say, you know, what about regularly worshiping God through song and having worship through song be a regular part of your life? And we say, of course, absolutely. There's a lot of different ways to connect. But what does Jesus say is fundamentally a way to stay connected to the vine? Let's look at Jesus' words. John chapter 15, verse 10. How do we stay connected? We do what Jesus says. We do what Jesus says. Look at this. He says this, John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So first, you and I, if we want to stay connected, we want to remain in Jesus, we've got to do what he says. James chapter 1, verse 22. uh, James writes this. He says, he says, don't merely listen to the word of God. Don't just read it and know it and memorize it and do all of that. He says, if you just do that and hear it and know it, you're deceiving yourselves. James goes on and says, don't just listen to it. Do what it says. Do what it says. So yes, we have to be in God's word so we know what it says so that we can obey God and we can keep his commands. Francis Chan illustrates doing what a person says when he talks about what it's like for a parent who asks their kid or a child to clean their room. Any parent here ever asked your child to clean the room? Right? We, we've all done that, and you, you've all seen maybe how that's turned out in various ways. Well, he talks about this, and he illustrates this, do what, you know, do what a person says, being obedient, with this example. And he goes on, and he says, you know, I, I asked my daughter to go clean her room. You know, I, I, I'm in charge. I, you know, I'm the dad. I'm the leader, you know, and so you need to obey my commands. You're my child. So he says, clean your room. And she leaves and then come back, comes back, and, and he asks her, hey, did you clean your room? And she says, well, I memorized what you said about cleaning my room. And, and he's like, yeah, but did you clean your room? You know where I might be headed right now? Well, well, did you clean your room? Well, well, I got it tattooed on my arm in Hebrew so I could remind myself and everybody else would know that I should clean my room. Yeah, but did you clean your room? Well, well, I got four friends of mine together and we went to Dutch Bros and we talked about what it means to clean my room. I got together with some other people and, and we studied the word clean in the Greek. And, and, you know, it's the word clean A-O. And, you know, it means to clean with haste and to clean with much fortitude. Yeah, but did you clean your room? Well, we're getting ready to go to a conference. And they're going to talk about cleaning the room. And, and we understand there's going to be someone who's going to talk to us about cleaning our room more efficiently and more effectively. Yeah, but did you clean your room? You see, many of us here, We simply need to just clean our room. God has been telling us, God has been telling you something for maybe a long time. 
and he's been affirming it with his word and people perhaps, God's been using people to tell you and you know you, know you should do this or you should change this or do that or serve here. You know that God's been speaking to you. God's been saying to you, clean your room. So come on, do it. Clean your room. Quit talking about it. Quit praying about it. Quit reading more about it in the Bible. God says you have all the information. You have all the knowledge. What more do you need? Just go do it. Clean your room. How many times have you been encouraged to get into a life group? That circles are better than rows. That yes, you come here, and this is important to hear the word of God, but to get in connected with other believers so you can talk about your faith and have people there to encourage you and to pray with. And I just talked to, uh, I've talked recently with, uh, with friends and, and, and people I've known in the past and, and, and as I've watched some individuals who, who have isolated themselves and they fall down a path that is not good and they fall into, into a situations and circumstances because they're isolated. Satan loves that. He loves to get us isolated. And God has invited you and God has asked you and God has said, you get connected with other believers. Clean your room clean your room maybe you need to spend more time with your kids and invest in in them because you're going to blink and the next thing you know they're going to be out of the house and God's saying clean your room invest in the lives of your kids maybe you've been coming to life point for years and we have asked that every single person at life point would get involved in our partnership with love inc and to serve with love inc And you have been here for years and not once have you ever done it. And maybe God's saying to you, clean your room. Serve with your church family. I got to tell you, I love participating with Love, Inc. for quite a few different reasons. One of the reasons, there's a lot of different reasons. And this is our week. We have our Church of the Week this week. And you can get signed up uh, right after service. And I love this ministry because uh, just practically speaking, just real practical. You can take one night out of a week, pick a night, any night, for a couple hours and go be a blessing to somebody. It's not this prolonged, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of prep and all that. It's like, hey, just a couple hours and I can go be a blessing to somebody. Secondly, one of the things I love about it is the memories I get to create with my family, the message I get to send to my kids by participating in this together, the memories we create with my family, with my friends, with my life group. And man, there's some incredible memories we've had over the years, some tear-jerking stories and just, you know, heartbreaking stories that God used us to be an encouragement to people and a blessing to people. There's other stories, man. We, to the, I mean, we just laugh about the way it transpired and what happened and our experience in this situation. All those great memories. And then thirdly, you know what? Just practically speaking, it's an opportunity to selflessly just bless a family, no strings attached, you and I get to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus to actually change somebody's life. I mean, you and I, we just, again, here at the, at the, at the um, banquet last night, it's easy to forget, but I mean, literally, we go and deliver beds to people who don't have beds, who don't have kitchen tables, who don't have end tables, who don't have a chair, you know, a chair to sit in, a recliner or anything. They don't have anything, and we go deliver to help people out who fell on hard times, whatever the case may be. 
And we heard some incredible testimonies last night about how God really used Love, Inc. to change them, and they're involved in their church now and serving, and, and gave, they gave their life to Christ. I heard one of these stories last night. It just grabbed me. You've got to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus, so participate this year. Clean your room. Now let's go back to John chapter 15, verse 10. Notice what Jesus said. He said this. If, John 10, 15, excuse me, verse 10, Jesus said this. If you clean your room, or his literal words were, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. In other words, do what Jesus says. That's how you stay connected to the vine. That's how you remain in his love. Can I ask everybody this morning, what is your clean your room? What is your clean your room command that you know Jesus is speaking to you about this morning? Or perhaps in the last few weeks or lately? Maybe he's been speaking to you through a friend, through a child, through a spouse, through a coworker, through your pastor, through his word. What is God's command for you to keep? Name it and then obey and follow it. That's how you and I remain in his love. That's how we stay connected to the vine. But then Jesus ups the ante here. And, and the second way in which you and I stay connected is we love like Jesus loves. We love like Jesus loves. And when Jesus added, listen, listen to this verse, John chapter 15, verse 12, continue on to another verse here. He says, my command is this, that you love each other as I have loved you. That's Jesus upping the ante in this situation, as I have loved you. Because here's what I know. If Jesus had said, hey, I want you to love people, you know what I would have done? If that's how Jesus would have said, love, I want you to love others, I'd be like, okay, fair enough. I can love other people. And then I would come up with my standard that would work for me in which I would love people. Would you do that? Would you be like, okay, I can love people, and here's, here's, you know, here's my parameters, and here's the ways in which I, I'd be comfortable doing that. But Jesus ups the ante. He says, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. It's too subjective. That's too whatever you're feeling and thinking at the moment. Jesus says, hey, do it as I did it. Love like I love. Love like I love. So let's set the scene so you understand how Jesus loved. And it goes like this. Jesus' disciples were arguing. And they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest in his kingdom. Because remember, Jesus said, I'm going to set up my kingdom. They didn't understand the whole kingdom thing. They thought it was going to be some physical, you know, kingdom here on earth. And Jesus had something far bigger than that and greater than that and eternal than that. But, but they're like, hey, he, he's going to set up his kingdom. And so, you know, who's going to be the greatest in this kingdom? And they're arguing about this. And some of them are like, hey, I, I want to sit on Jesus' right side. And I want to sit on Jesus' left side. And they're like, hey, man, we're going to be first and second in command behind Jesus. And they're having all these conversations. And Jesus says, hey, guys, listen to me. The greatest among you is actually the one who serves. And so he had told them that as they were coming up to Jerusalem. And that's, been, that's something that just happened to them. And now they're having this last meal, John chapter 13. And Jesus is going to show them what that looks like. Remember, love as I have loved. And he says, I'm going to serve. So Jesus puts a towel on his arm, grabs a water basin full of water. He gets down on his knees and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And in doing this, Jesus then said to them, John chapter 13, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Don't miss what's happening here, guys. 
Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, and if I remain in you, you're going to bear much fruit. Apart from me, it's not going to be anything good, and you're not going to do much of anything. And if you want to remain in me and in my love, then the way you do that is by doing what I command. In other words, you do what I say. And what is it that I say? Look at the next verse, John 15, verse 12. My command, or back to John 15, verse 12, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And so based on John 13, loving each other first starts with serving others, humbly serving others. But then he goes on in John 15, the very next verse, after he said, I want you to love as I have loved, he says, here's what that looks like. John 15, verse 30, greater 13, John 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Man, talk about raising the standard, huh? Love each other as I have loved you, which is serving others, which is giving your life to others. And the reality is you and I, you and I are completely incapable of doing that on our own. I can't love like Jesus loved on my own. I can't give my life for others regularly and consistently. Sure, anybody can, you know, just about anybody can do a, you know, a one-time deal and, and just kind of have that, you know, I, I would die for someone and, you know, in war or whatever the case may be, someone trying to rescue someone. But regularly, daily, consistently loving others where we sacrifice ourselves, where we serve others, where we give our lives for other people. Maybe you're married where you literally give your life for your spouse each and every day. To have that type of love, we're incapable of it outside of being connected to the source, to the vine. Because Jesus says the fruit of the Spirit. What's the first one? The fruit of the Spirit is love. And the only way to do that is to be connected to him, the source. And so I ask you this question as we get ready to wrap it up. What fruit is being evidenced in your life? What fruit is being evidenced in your life? Because Jesus has made it clear, clear there's different kind of branches, right? There's fruitful branches and unfruitful branches. What kind of fruit is in your life? You and I can't produce the obedience and the righteousness that pleases God, the good kind of fruit, if we're disconnected from Jesus. You and I need to make sure we're connected to him. How do we do that? The Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, he says this. He says, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. And this morning, as we wrap it up, God is inviting each and every person here this morning to examine ourselves to see if our faith is genuine. Test yourself, Paul says. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. Better translation says, is in you. But if not, you fail the test of genuine faith. So Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So God invites you right now to examine yourself, to test your faith, to see if it's genuine. If you are truly remaining in him, if you're truly connected to him, the vine, because if you do, there's fruit in your life. And it's good fruit. And it's much fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And right now, I would like you to be willing to be honest before the Lord. To examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine.
God, would you just open our hearts to you right now that we would hear what you're saying to us and that we would be able to see our hearts honestly because we're humbling ourselves before you. We know without your spirit guiding us right now that we will falsely assess our lives. So Holy Spirit, guide us and lead us in this time. And right where you're sitting, if you know, if you get real with God, you go, man, my life isn't where it needs to be. God loves you and he wants you to be connected to him. And just say something like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying on a cross for my sins. I surrender my life to you. And I commit, Lord, right now to stay connected to you. I want to bear much fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And so, God, I surrender to you and I I commit to you that I'll stay connected to you. And use me, God, to bear much fruit, fruit that'll last. God, hear these prayers from each person here this morning. Work an incredible work in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.